Well, this morning, as you can see on the screen, we're jumping back into our series uh, that we're just called Common Struggles Over the Summer. We've been in and out of the series uh, based on my availability. But I just wanted to hit some of these struggles, really, that I wanted to think through and really address uh, singularly, you know, over the summer, issues that are common to us that we struggle with. So we looked at depression for two weeks. Uh, we looked at anxiety for two weeks. And uh, hopefully, you know, obviously I know these are convicting, like Rich was praying, but hopefully you, you feel hope coming, into, coming out of these sessions of knowing, like, okay, I experience, I feel depressed, or I'm anxious, and, and, I, and I know how to battle these things uh, by the power of the Spirit. So uh, that's really the goal in this series. And um, you know, we did the Q&A with Omri, and so I, I realized we didn't have a lot of time at the end of that Q&A for live questions. So are there, I'm just, this is, this is a live question to you guys. Do you feel like we need more Q&A time? If you, raise your hand if you say no. Okay, we've got one no, two no's, three no's, four. No, okay. Raise your hand if you say yes, we need more Q&A time. I have questions I wasn't able to ask. All right, well, there we go. No more Q&As. <laughs> Raise your hand if you don't know what to say. Okay. All right, well, that's just putting feeler out. I was going to pivot and do a Q&A uh, right now, but we won't. Okay. <laughs> We'll just be looking at each other. Well, today we are going to launch into our, our final struggle um, for the summer. And uh, it's something I'm sure that, that none of you struggle with ever at all. And um, it's the struggle of comparison. Comparison. And I'm sure you're thinking, comparison, that doesn't, well, it seems kind of weird to talk about, it, talk about that. But I think you'll see it's, it's hitting a lot of things that I want to, I've, I've, I'm, we're experiencing counseling, and we, uh, there's a lot of, of, of deep-rooted issues here underneath this. But I want to talk to you guys over the next two weeks about this issue of comparison or when we compare ourselves to others that are around us. And uh, there's really no end to the list that we could make about ways we compare ourselves to each other. You know what I'm talking about? Or <laughs> like, yes, we know. What are some ways we do that? Performance? How so? In what way? Yep, academic, sports, comparing yourselves to others. Yeah. How else? Appearance. Yep, that's a big one. Yeah, there's... All, all kinds of all kinds of ways that we can we can about you know compare ourselves. You know, I'm more thin than that person. More pretty. More trendy. More whatever. You know. Yeah. What else? How so? Yeah. So he said religiosity, or just like maturity. You just kind of scale. You just kind of like sizing yourself up against the you know your your. <laughs> Your brother in Christ over there, like I think I, I think I got the edge on that, or you know whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah. What else? Lifestyle. Okay. How so? Yeah, definitely. Kind of stuff they have where they live, for sure. Man, I wish I lived at East Campus. <laughs> Nobody ever says that, do they? 
That was, I just showed my, uh, my age at Liberty. Those are, the, those are the nice storms when I was there, believe it or not. All right, yeah, totally. That's a good one. Yeah, there's all kinds of things, right? Like popularity. Nobody ever thinks about that, right? He's just the life of the party, always gets invited to hang out. I wish I got invited to hang out with that, with that, with that crowd. Intelligence. Yeah, all kinds of things that we could, we, could, we could look at and compare ourselves to. And we're just, what, I, what I've noticed just with the human condition is that it's almost like we're constantly comparing at some level. Um, we're constantly seeking ways to sort of validate ourselves against the standards of others. And, um, and then you just pour the social media fire on top of that, you know, and so you, you've got all kinds of access at your fingertips of just temptation portals to look at uh, in your friends' lives and others' lives to compare yourself to. And this is a, a, an incredibly common struggle to everybody, but especially to the young adults. And it causes all kinds of problems, doesn't it? So what are, what are some of those problems that this comparison might cause? Jealousy. Je- jealousy. What else? Bitterness. Yeah, because somebody has something you don't have. I think you deserve to have that. What else? You lose sight of Christ, idolatry, right? You can start worshiping the opinions of others or the standards of others or whatever those are. Yeah, what else? Self-deprecation. How so? Self-deprecation? That's right, yeah. Feeling bad, self-pity, yeah, excellent. So there's if you measure up to the standard or you think you meet the standard, then, you know, there's some things happen. And if you don't, other things happen, right? So we'll talk about that too. Yeah. Call it all kinds of problems. Jealousy, discontentment. We're insecure. We withdraw from relationships. We lust after affirmation. We fear criticism. We don't serve others because we're consumed with ourselves. But the good news is that Christ wants to meet us here and to free us from this like treadmill of comparison, this destructive treadmill. Treadmills are productive. <laughs> That's a bad illustration, but the, this, is, this is a destructive pattern. And we're going to talk about how he frees us and how he intends to free us at length next week. Um, but for this week, what I want us to do is get our minds around what's going on in this struggle that I'm just calling comparison, okay? So we're going to ask some questions like we have in the previous times, um, and I'll ask five of them. Okay, so five questions. The first one is, what is actually going on when we compare? What is happening? You know, what do we mean by this? this it's, it's helpful just to slow down and think through kind of what's happening when, we, when we're sizing each other up, okay? And it starts with like a baseline assessment or like a baseline evaluation of yourself. So we would just say assessment of yourself, right? Whether you're doing this consciously or it's just sort of like you have this assessment already. Like you've kind of made this assessment about yourself. You've sized yourself up. You kind of know where you think. You know where you're at. And so you might think like, okay, I'm fairly smart. You know, like I make pretty good grades. I did pretty well on that exam. You know, you're assessing yourself. Okay, like I might not be the smartest guy in the room, but okay, I've got pretty smart. Okay, then there's an assessment of others. You kind of have this baseline of yourself, 
again, I'm just, we're just kind of picking apart the anatomy of what's going on when we compare. At least there's this sort of assessment or evaluation of other people. You kind of start sizing up the, the competition, you know? You're looking around. What are the people around me like? So you're thinking, I'm doing pretty good in my exams, and then you notice that guy. You know the guy. He's the guy that aced the exam. You got the 99, he got the 100. Or the 105. You didn't even know that was possible. His GPA is through the roof, right? Like, he's got like a 5.0. Just carries himself intelligently. And then you notice he's got an entourage, and like all of his friends are the same. You're like, wow, maybe I'm dumb. You know, and then, there's, then there is the, uh, the measurement of yourself against what you see around you. You're going to kind of measure yourself, assess yourself against the assessment that you've made of those around you. And if you don't meet that standard, whatever that standard that you've kind of created just now, you start thinking, maybe I'm not as smart as I thought. I guess I'm more behind than I realized. But if you do meet the standard or you exceed the standard, you know, based on your peers around you, you feel validated in some sense and kind of smug, you know, like, feel pretty good about myself, you know? And then there's some kind of response, right? Like, the, yeah, I feel pretty good about myself. Like, there's some, there's some response that we make in the midst of this comparison. Could be a lot of different, a lot of different ways, and we'll look at some of those. That's sort of the anatomy of, of what's going on when we compare. It's just that happens in like a split second, doesn't it? It's like, bam! You know, you're, like, you're not even thinking about it. But that, that's what's going on. You're sizing yourself up, sizing others up. You're measuring how you fare, and then you respond in some way. And so that leads us to another question before we kind of, as, we, as we're getting, wading in here to this topic. And we need to ask, um, is comparing always sinful? Is comparing always sinful? What do you think? No. Yeah, you compare yourself to Christ. Is it is it is it always simple to compare yourself to others? Yeah. So we got to be careful of how we talk about this this issue. I think you guys are right. It's, no, it's not always sinful. And so what? How how do we know that? What can we throw on there? Well, Scripture actually calls us to make accurate self-assessments, humble self-assessments. It's actually commanded that we, that we think this way in Scripture. And I, I put Romans 12:3 on there for you guys so you can, you can look it up. I'll just I'll, I'll read it uh, for us. You can look it up later. Paul says, after this call to renew our minds, which is crucial to this thinking rightly about ourselves, as we're going to see next, next week. But after he, in Romans 12, calls us to renew our minds, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but, here's the command, to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So, 
you're not to think in proud ways about yourself, but you're to think in accurate ways, humble ways, ways that are in accordance with how God's made you, what he saved you to be, your, your identity in Christ. Like, okay, we've got to think carefully, according to, in this case, according to the measure of faith, according to the spiritual giftedness that God has given to you. So there is this call in Scripture to make accurate self-assessments and this also then implies, Scripture implies that we measure ourselves against the examples of others. And we do it so that we can grow. So we're assessing ourselves, kind of those first, that first step in the, in the comparison. We assess ourselves, and then we also kind of measure ourselves against the assessments that we make of those around us. And that can be done in a very positive way. And I put two texts on here. Hebrews 13.7 is the first text on here, and, and it's, it's a call to, he says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider, listen to this language, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So remember your leaders. Those who, and he's talking about the, the ones who are speaking the word of God to you. And then actually think through, think about the way they live, which implies you're kind of assessing the way they live, right? You're looking at, you're looking at that, and then you're imitating their faith. You're trying to say, okay, I want to imitate that, or I don't want to imitate that, you know, because leaders are, are flawed. So it's Hebrews 13.7, and then here's another one, Philippians 3.17. We looked at this last semester, but he says, Paul says, brothers, Join in imitating me, and notice this, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So that text also implies that we're to make assessments of others. Did you notice that? He says keep your eyes on not just everybody, but those who in particular walk according to the example of Paul. So that means we're to evaluate others' likeness to Paul, who's... Likeness to Christ, right? Like, likeness to Paul, likeness to Christ. And then we're to evaluate that. We, if we see it in their life, we're to imitate them. So you could call that, in a sense, like, okay, you're, you're assessing, you're making an assessment, you're comparing your life to theirs, and then you're, you're trying to mimic or imitate them. And what makes these kind of comparisons good, though, is how they are motivated. You follow me? It's how they're motivated. The motivations here are, are what makes these kinds of comparisons stand apart from the ones that we started with. And what are these kind of, of, of comparisons motivated by? We could say they're motivated by humble faith. They're motivated by humble faith. They're, they're taking God at his word. They're seeking to please Christ. They want to grow. And it's all about maximizing what God is doing in their life. And so they want to they mimic those leaders and make progress in the, in the Christian life. And that's, faith is motivating those comparisons. And it's not a fear of, of not measuring up. I call this like a proud fear. could be the alternate motivation, right? We'll, we'll unpack that. But it's this sort of self-seeking preeminence of trying to get to the top so that people praise you and esteem you. And that's this sort of proud fear you know, that often motivates our comparison. And now, I'll, before we leave this point of just the, the benefits, well, I think I got it here. It should be motivated by faith. 
I also want you to, to kind of just observe that this, this kind of comparison, this good comparison, is very, very helpful for us. It's very helpful. And let me just, I thought about this for my own life. How, how has this been beneficial for me in the past? And I think here's, here's a few ways. It's helped me see where my spiritual gifts are and my limitations. Right? It's helped me see where the Lord's gifted me and where he has not gifted me. You know, so you're looking around and you see your brother, you see your sister in Christ, and they're flourishing in that way, and you're thinking, you got a chance to respond. You could self-pity out of that proud motivation, or you could say, praise the Lord that he gifted them the way he gifted them, because I don't have that gift. And the body would look really deformed, the body in the church, if they, everybody had my gifts, right? So I, and that would lead to us praising God, rejoicing in the wisdom of God, And giving him thanks for how he created the body and how he put it together. Here's another way this faith-filled comparison helps us. It helps us see the areas we can grow. I think Matthew mentioned that earlier. It helps us see the areas we can grow. And it helps us see, in particular, how to grow in those areas from those who are out ahead. Because they've made progress in those areas. And we, we can recognize the progress and assess ourselves and say, I'm not there yet but I've got somebody now I can follow. I've got somebody's step, footsteps I can walk in. So making that comparison helps us see the areas we can grow and how to grow in those areas. And it obviously spurs us on to those love and good works if we're motivated by faith. And then if, you're, if you think about it kind of like helping us look on ahead and see, okay, where do we need to go? It also helps us look behind and see, okay, how can I help others come after me? Because as God grows you, he intends to use that growth in the lives of other people. So making that comparison, you can assess and see, whew, like that person's struggling in that area. And I used to, so there's humility there. You know, I used to, I get it. But the Lord's been kind to me. He's helped me grow. And so I have something to offer to this person. I'm going to move toward this person in humility and kindness to say, hey, like, let me help you, brother. Let me help you, sister. So making that comparison even kind of backwards, down, down, if you want to say, you know, to the less mature, you're able to say, hey, come on, follow me as I follow Christ. That's kind of Paul's attitude. Let's do it together. So I think those are just some ways, I just want to explore that with you, the ways that this faith-filled comparison is helpful. Um, So no, it's not always sinful to answer our second question. So, raise the third one, right? Like, So when when does it become sinful? Sorry, I I really messed up on my animations here on my PowerPoint. We're going to be doing that every time. When does it actually become sinful? Question number three. What's at the root of this problem here of of comparison? When does it become sinful and and what's going on? Like I said, proud fear motivates this kind of sinful comparing. And that's, if we're honest, that's most of what our comparison is. Like it kind of falls within that that category. And um, let me just give you some of the Bible's language on this on the motivations for this kind of comparison. And one would be the fear of man that you see here. And this is somebody somebody who fears man. is somebody who craves the approval of other people. They seek to please other people because they love the praises of others. They love that validation that they feel from other people. Super common. Proverbs says it is a snare. Proverbs 29, 25. 
but it's often what motivates our comparisons. We want to be esteemed by other people. We say, okay, this group is cool, and I want them to like me, right? So I want to be esteemed by them, and so we measure ourselves against them, and we start trying to perform out of the fear of man. Very dangerous, okay? There's also, these are like in parallel, okay? They're all usually happening at the same time. There's a love of preeminence. He's giving you the Bible's language on, on what's underneath our comparisons. A love of preeminence. Preeminence just means you want to be first, right? Like you, you want to be at the top. And 3 John 9, there's a dude in, in there, a church leader actually, who the Apostle John describes as Diotrephes, who likes to be first. How would you like that as your uh, descriptor in the New Testament? Uh, who, who likes to put himself first. So often we like to be first. We like to be the best. We like to be at the top. And so we compare ourselves because we want to see where we land. And when we're at the top in some area, we feel this sort of smug, elite, you know, like, I'm there. I arrived. I made it. You know, and when we're not, we feel insecure. We feel like we're out of place. So there's this love of preeminence that's often motivating our, our comparisons. Also, it doesn't get any prettier. There's selfish ambition and self-seeking that motivates this, this comparison. The Bible describes us as being a lover of self. Second Timothy listed some texts there for you where this language is used. Whether it's selfish ambition or self-seeking or being a lover of self, all these words reveal that we are all about ourselves. Or you could just say self-obsessed. There's an obsession with yourself that leads to all kinds of comparisons. Because you think you're very important. Our comparisons are often driven by this sort of self-obsession. We could call it this idolatry of ourselves. So while we're on the self-language... Self-preservation would be our, 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 another one that we could throw in here that often motivates his comparisons. Or as Luke 9, 24, Jesus describes it as trying to save your life. Not in a positive sense. <laughs> one who saves his life will lose it. He's talking about if you're trying to preserve yourself, you're going to lo- lose your life. But if you give your life away for the sake of Christ and the kingdom, then you're going to find it. Jesus says. So self-preservation is a danger. Sometimes people, they might not claim, okay, I don't want to be at the top, right? Like, I'm more modest. I just don't want to be at the bottom, right? I just want to be normal. I don't want to stand out. I I just want to blend in. But this is still often motivated by selfishness, right? This self-preservation. I don't want to look dumb. I don't want to be humiliated. We try to save our lives, Luke 9, 24. Nobody likes that, but that's often what drives the comparisons to just say, I just want to blend in, be a wallflower, like just not be seen. So we we have to take a hard look at this because this is actually what's motivating a lot of our, our sinful, or all of our sinful comparison. But this is not what you're going to hear in the culture. You are going to hear that you have low self-esteem. 
Meaning you don't esteem yourself enough. You don't think highly enough of yourself. You might hear that you have an inferiority complex. You just you view yourself as inferior all the time, and so you self-deprecate. And so you just you need to the answer to that in their minds is you need to love yourself more. And they'll say things like, How can you love others until you love yourself? Take care of yourself. And that flies in the face of everything we just, we just saw. And we're going to unpack that more next week. So in summary, it's, it's the obsession of self. It's when this thing becomes sinful. It's how we know it's sinful. It's, 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 it's we have the wrong kind of self-image. We'll talk about that. Self-image next week. We have the wrong kind of self-image. We need to know what God says about us and believe that and act accordingly. All right, that's how we know when it becomes sinful, at least at the root. But that kind of, it's like, okay, well, how do I, how do I discern if it's sinful in my life? Right? How can I discern that I have this problem? How's it going to come out? What's it going to look like? Well, it'll start with, well, I shouldn't say start, but it might look like this sort of elitism. I've, I've mentioned that um, a few times. And it might sound like the Pharisee in Luke 18, 11. God, I thank you I am not like other men. <laughs> we might not ever pray that, but we think that, right? Thank you. Thank you. I'm not like other men. These evil tax collectors, people who aren't trendy. When we feel like we do measure up, we often have this sort of proud elitist mentality. We only hang out with people like us. We only run with people who understand our jokes, people who kind of sport our attire, you know, our fashion, who are mature like we are. I have time for the immature people. I just, it's immature, you know. And this elitism is a form of self-righteousness. Like this Pharisee. And when we see it, we, we see this smug fruit, you know, and we can know that our comparisons are sinful when we see this sort of elitist mentality happening. Here's another one. Critical spirit. Picking others apart. Jealousy. I love how Paul describes this in Galatians 5.15. He calls it biting and devouring one another. It's like two dogs, like, you know, just trying to eat each other alive, just biting each other, gnawing each other, ripping flesh off, just like, whoo, that's a graphic picture of us picking each other apart. Can you believe she wore that? I can't believe he's dating her. She's so blank. What's underneath that? What's underneath those statements like that? A proud comparison. I can't believe she wore that, implying I would never wear that. I can't believe he's dating her, implying he should be dating me because I'm better. Our critical spirits often reveal a comparison that's motivated by the flesh. 
Galatians 5.15, biting and devouring one another in the flesh. All right, critical spirit, picking each other apart. Here's another telltale sign, is discontentment. This is another sign that we're often off base in our comparisons. So when you compare, you're comparing yourself against other people, and, you, and then the net result is discontentment in your heart, you can know that you're in dangerous territory. Like you use automatic, like, okay, whoa, this is not good. I hate that I'm so shy. I wish I was more like so-and-so, who seems so secure and confident. I wish I was pretty like her, or suave like that guy. And this isn't a self-loathing problem. It's a discontentment problem. It's saying, Lord, I don't like the way you made me, and you made a mistake. Discontentment is a telltale sign when, that's, when our comparisons are producing that, that not good, all right? And then that often leads to self-pity. Pretty soon those faithless thoughts are going to slip into this feeling sorry for yourself, you know, I'm just so dumb, I guess, you know, I'm just not smart as people. I'm never going to amount to anything academically, at least not like those people. I'm just never going to get married. You know, just. And if your comparisons are leading to that, to feeling sorry for yourself, that is a sign that your comparisons are destructive and they're wrongly motivated and that you need to repent. Self-pity. Easy to go there. Again, I'm just, I'm, this list, I'm telling on myself. Right? <laughs> Look no further than the heart of clay. So that's, that's where all my implications come from. Um, you guys know that. All right, here's another one. When you realize you don't measure up, guess what happens? That word we love, and we say so often, insecurity, but we don't really think about what that implies. You realize you don't measure up after you compare yourself to someone else. You often feel what we say, quote, insecure. Meaning, you feel inferior to someone else and you are embarrassed by it. That's what that means. That's what's going on. You feel inferior and that's embarrassing to you. You might feel like you don't belong or you might be scared of being found out. And those feelings which are common to us all are a sign that we are wrongly motivated and that we're deceived. Insecurity is I feel inferior, and I'm embarrassed. And so then, usually what happens is we isolate. We start withdrawing. Another telltale sign is that our comparisons are sinful is when we, we start withdrawing from certain relationships. And it's usually not all relationships. It's only some. We start withdrawing. We'll refuse to be friends with some because they can't handle or some people will refuse to be friends because they can't handle constantly feeling inferior to them in some way. Or maybe you don't withdraw, but you make demands. You put conditions on friendship. We can hang out, but you can't talk to me about X, Y, and Z. Why not? Because I can't handle it. Because, actually, I feel inferior and I am embarrassed. 
So these are all signs, diagnostics, that the comparisons are not good. These are from the flesh. They're satanic. We have to see them for what they are so that we can go after them in faith. All right? So, after that searing point, (laughs) what's the solution? All right? What's the solution? Oh, there we go. No, Microsoft. Don't allow. What is the solution? Here's the glorious news. Christ died for the self-obsessed. Like you and like me. That's why he went to the cross. Because of our, our idolatry of ourselves. And he is utterly, Christ is utterly committed to remaking us into his selfless image. If that was hard for you to hear, and you're like, whoa, he pegged me to the wall with his point A and C. I don't know, you know. That was Christ helping you see because he wants to, he wants to liberate you from this. He wants to free you from the enslavement to yourself, to free you to live the joyful life of faith, of trusting him, doing good. And next time we're going to look at carefully, we're going to look carefully at how we can make progress in this area, especially if we feel dominated by these kind of sinful comparisons. And we have to take responsibility for it, though. We have to stop shifting blame. We have to figure out what it means to really trust Christ in these fundamental areas, these daily areas. We've got to have an accurate self-image, the way the Bible describes us, one that's biblical and true, not full of these deceptions and lies or what we want to be that God's not made us to be. And we've got to learn to act on the truth and not how we feel. And we're going to look at all that next time. But right now, I just want to close with this beautiful story of how Jesus addressed one of his own disciples when they were sinfully comparing. Any guesses? John 21. So go ahead and turn there. The solution is so refreshingly simple. Here. John 21. And it's with Peter. When, when Jesus was restoring Peter, and his words to Peter here, they ring in my ears when I'm tempted to compare. It's so simple, but so helpful. All right, John 21. So we'll pick it up in verse 15. He says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, this is after he had forsaken the Lord, and he's restoring him now. Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then feed my lambs. He's commissioning Peter. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything, and you do know that I love you. Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young and you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. 
And he said this to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Now notice verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who had also leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? John's saying, that's, that's me, right? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? What about this man? You told me I'm going to die. What about the, you know, that guy? Notice what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not yet was not to die. <laughs> John's writing this, by the way, you know. So Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? So John's obviously trying to write the narrative here. But the point, the eight eight words in English that will liberate you from sinful comparison. What is that to you? You follow me. You're looking over. Wish I had this. Wish I had that. What is that to you? Jesus, picture Jesus grabbing you, grabbing your face, turning it back to him, saying, what is it to you? This is, that's not your story. This is your story. You follow me. You got one job. Trust me. Follow me. I've made no mistakes. I've gifted you all of your life, circumstances, background, whether bad parents, good parents, Faithful church, unfaithful church, healthy church, poor, not healthy church, no church. You follow me. I have a plan. You just got to trust me. So that, that's where we'll go next week. Just want to give you a little teaser there on just a great text. We're coming out here. Let Jesus get your attention. Get you from looking over your shoulder and looking at different people and follow him alone. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you do expose, and yet you come alongside us to shepherd us and to commission us for your purposes, like you commissioned Peter. And so we're thankful that you use us, even though we get off track quickly, and yet you recover us, and you're teaching us to fix our gaze on you and not to make these comparisons. So we're, we're thankful um, just for the clarity of your word. And we do pray that uh, next week especially that you would continue to equip us in these ways. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.